We're two weeks in and I'm already fucking tilting. Let's go. like that another set of games has gone by some of us feeling hot some of us feeling not look at you buzzy getting that good for you got sick of losing all the time figured you go two and oh right off the rip and i mean we got to give kudos to the new guy scotty going two and oh trying to make a statement you know granted he did it against the two most trash squads in the league right now but hey two and oh is two and oh baby don't forget it and then we got some not-so-hot folks hitting the old 0-2 button. We got four of us. I'm surprised, actually. I thought it'd be a little bit more evened out. Mikey, man. Tus jugadores son basura. And meanwhile, I'm over here straight panicking, about to purge my entire team and start from scratch <laughs> don't know what the hell's going on but hey maybe kittle will brighten my day up uh, i'll miss you montgomery but you boys gotta take some risks uh or hey maybe i'm just a kiss of death and i'm gonna fuck that up too speaking of which let's just change the name of this podcast to the uh tds of fantasy chump podcast because i can't figure out what the fuck happened? I got everything wrong. You stupid! I mean, I was dead-ass wrong about Big Ben. Turns out he's old as fuck still and can't do anything. Jameis? Got that one wrong, too. Boy needs to get a refund on that LASIK. And did I say slight nod to Gibson over DeAndre Swift? Granted, Swift didn't do anything, but <laughs> he made it sound like Gibson was going to have a fucking hell of a night. So if I'm tilting in public, I can only imagine what Van Sickle's doing back at home with James Robinson and Gibson. But that doesn't matter, because he still got the dub. I was dead-ass wrong about Dakota winning, too. Uh-oh, retard alert! I guess it was a bloodbath, but only one-sided. And my guy, Clyde. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I put a lot of pressure on you, I guess, and uh, hopefully you can redeem yourself at least for a little bit for g-money thank god he had derrick henry covering all of your fucking points <sighs> i guess it's just time to see if i can rebound or not or just strategically destroy every one of my opponents and just talk about them i think i just need to pull up the schedule every time i do the podcast and just see who i'm facing and just massively hype up their players who knows it might work uh speaking of which let's take a look at the New power rankings, as well as the odds prediction for playoffs and championships. Little bit of a shakeup, not too crazy. Starting off with uh, bottom four, we're going to have Adam bringing up the rear with 44%, followed by Drew with the similar 44%. We got a little Mikey Man with 45%, and yours truly getting the top seed in the toilet bowl with 46%. I don't give a shit! Which brings us to the mid-round, guys. We've got... Bobby taking the 8th seed with 66%, followed by C-Rap Squad at 70%. Then to follow is Dakota with 71%. And the newly christened Hot Rod in Herbert Hole Daddy, chill. with 73%. 
And that leaves us with the top four. Oh, my God. Who the hell cares? Uh, number four, Keenan the Barbarian. Van Sickle, even though I don't like your running backs, man, you got an 81% shot right now at getting to the playoffs, followed by a 9% championship ownership. And that brings us to third place with Stafford Infection. Scotty's got an 83% chance of making playoffs and 10% shot at taking home the trophy. Somehow, someway, Evan has found himself in the top two with 88% odds of a playoff berth. Can't believe it, buddy. <laughs> Can't believe it. Maybe the tides are finally turning for you. And you're splitting 13% odds of taking home the championship trophy with Tua Girls One Cup, who's our top dog with 89% odds of a playoff berth. Congrats, boys. Keep up the good work. Make them rankings proud. But how did we actually get to these rankings? Uh, honestly, I think the best way to look at it would be by handing out a couple little... Uh, Items of note, or at least little pats on the back for some folks, uh, jabs at others. And to start that off, I think the team of the week, uh, we have to notice, you know, C-Rap Squad put up 242.3 points, uh, really came through clutch. Uh, biggest loser of the week, that would be none other than Strictly Business with a whopping 132.3 points. Shout out all of my teammates. Love you. Couldn't have done it without you. Biggest blowout uh, goes to Keenan the Barb Savage over Natterdays by 78.5 points. <sighs> Narrowest victory, that would be Herbert Hull versus A-Dog by 21.4 points. Not a lot of tight ones this week. It was, uh, it was pretty low and loose. Top dog player has to go to, again, Herbert Hull with Derek Henry, who put up a monster 65 motherfucking points. Props to you, dog. Bottom of the barrel player. That's excluding, honestly, like defense, defensive player, kickers, tight ends, and really anybody injured. Uh, everybody who played a full game. I would say that would go to none other than businesses booming Antonio Brown with a whopping three points. And last but not least, even though it didn't really affect the uh, rankings too much, it definitely gets taken into consideration the depth of your bench. So bench warmer of the week. Again, G-Money taking it with Tony Pollard, 40.5 points as a backup running back. That's impressive. Like, that that's that's the new Kareem Hunt right there. I think that's a good segue into some fab grabbing, don't you? Cash moves everything around me. Kareem, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> Easiest money of my life. Where's my money, bitch? Well, hey, at least I got one thing right. I told y'all Kyler was going to ball out. Unfortunately, I didn't think the Vikes would keep my heart in it that long. I didn't think it was going to be that tight of a race. Damn, why didn't you make that kick? <laughs> but no, Kyler balled out. He had a 56-burger fantasy points-wise in our league with 400 yards to a tee, two tutties. Uh, I think of one small turnover, nothing too crazy, but the boy can scoot. He's got them wheels, you know. I really don't think there's going to be a lot of people that can slow him down. He was the number one quarterback in my mind going into the season. Uh, Mahomes is Mahomes. He's always going to be fairly consistent and give you at least probably a safe floor of 30 points. Josh Allen, same thing. I mean, he it's it's his fourth year with Brian Dable, so people may start to figure him out a little bit more if they didn't change up too much from last season. But the boys still got a cannon, and their run game is trash, so he's going to have to throw a lot. Uh, 
still, Kyler's the guy. I trust him rest of the season. And as for who I trust in my flex, since we're going to be doing a little flexing for some fab this week, which is such a hard one to guess, too, because you can literally put anybody in there. If you have another running back and you want to swap McCaffrey in, you can do that. So as for who I trust this week, it's going to be a crapshoot. It's kind of a tough one to really predict. But I'll throw in a couple mid-tier guys that I think are kind of teetering on a RB2 or wide receiver 2 spot in your lineup and see if maybe they're worth hitting. Or who knows, maybe I just gave you the kiss of death. Uh, Either way, good luck. Cross your fingers. I don't say your player's name. First one, it's kind of an interesting one, a little bit risky, but I kind of like Chase Edmonds at Jacksonville this Sunday. I know Edmonds isn't like a top-tier back by any means, but the dude has roughly 60% share of the backfield in Arizona, and with that, he's averaged about five and a half yards a carry as well as eight yards per reception. So he really is pretty dangerous once he gets the ball in his hands, especially between the 20s. I mean, that boy's got some wheels. He can scoot. Run, bitch! Run! And I will admit, it is kind of a crowded backfield if you consider someone like Rondale Moore taking targets away uh, with end arounds or anything like that, as well as Murray just QB rollouts and scrambling. But I think this game's going to kind of be a lopsided affair. Colin probably a little bit more time for them to run out the clock and also kind of work on their kinks in the running game. If Arizona thinks they're going to be a playoff contender, they're going to have to try to work on balancing out that offense a bit. Eventually, people are going to kind of figure out that passing scheme and kind of lock down on it. Maybe not completely snuff it out, but at least make them have to earn it a bit more on the ground. Let's be real. Jacksonville's run D and defense in general has not done well. Pro Football Focus has their grading scale from 1 to 100. The last week's game against Denver, the run D graded out at 57. And we all know Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams didn't do a whole hell of a lot in that game. So I can imagine that Arizona can get some serious work in on the ground. And honestly, it's one of those games where... They might get ahead real early, and mid to late third quarter, they'll start pulling starters and just kind of run that clock. So I'm going to give Edmonds a shot, and I think maybe this is the week he finally gets into the end zone too. So we'll see. As for a wide receiver that I think could have some real flex appeal this week, he's already kind of came out the gate swinging, even though none of us saw it coming thanks to some preseason comments and preseason overall performance. I'm going to roll with Jamar Chase against Pittsburgh, at Pittsburgh nonetheless. Uh, Currently, the Steelers' defense on Pro Football Focus is grading out at a 47.8 in defensive coverage against opposing receivers. That is atrocious. Mind you, that came against a Bills team who didn't even really accomplish much at all in the season opener, as well as last week against the Raiders at home, which they surprisingly had their way all day. Henry Ruggs, deep shot city all day. Brian Edwards, even though he had, I think, two touchdowns called back. Easy toe tapping, no problem. Red zone looks. Derek Carr looked great. And right now, Jamar Chase is averaging about 4.29 fantasy points per touch. And that's in full PPR leagues, of course, so that gets bumped up even more in ours. That's insane, especially because he's carrying, like, a solid 22 yards per reception and at least 14 yards per target. So those are both double the next highest Bengal receiver 
I believe T. Higgins, followed by Tyler Boyd. I, I'm I'm a roll with him. I think Steelers defense, even though they're gonna have a front seven that's still strong enough to blast through that god awful Bengals O line. Burrow's been able to get it out pretty quick, and Jamar's been his guy, so makes sense to me. And again, with a not-so-bold prediction, it's way too tough to make a call like that because literally it's based off of your roster construction. So I'm just going to let that one kind of fly. The obvious ones will be obvious, but, I mean, if you're able to swap out like a Metcalf or a Lockett for another receiver in Reflex, go for it. RIP Minnesota's chances at a 500 season, let alone a fucking playoff berth. Uh, same goes for any big name running backs, by the way, that can carry a lot of weight. You know, yeah, McCaffrey, Chubb, uh, Aaron Jones, all of those guys. If you want to swing for the fences for ten bucks, be my guest, buddy. So before we hit the player profile this week, uh, seemed like some folks really liked doing a quick breakdown, even though again I was dead wrong on just about every portion of it. Um, do another breakdown of a couple guys' games that I think will be interesting this week. And the first one that really catches my eye has to be G-Money versus Dakota. I know we talked about Dakota's team last week, but again, this is a tight matchup. Both teams are 1-1. One and one. This could really affect the rest of their seasons, uh, at least whether they're going to tilt or some guys are going to boost their confidence a bit or they might have some trade bait. You never know. So just looking down the roster, I think Justin Herbert, even though he's kind of started off a little sluggish, it's Kansas City. It's going to have to be a shootout for them to even really keep pace against Dak and Philly. Ooh, Philly's defense surprisingly hasn't been that bad. Granted, they've played Atlanta, which Matt Ryan had zero time to throw, and the running game was basically non-existent. And previous week it was Niners. Jimmy G didn't look too tight, but it was kind of a back-and-forth game either way. Against my better judgment, I think I'm going to give the nod to old Herbert Hull and just have confidence that he has to keep pace with Kansas City. Next is Derrick Henry versus DeAndre Swift. Derrick Henry. (laughs) No doubt in my mind. Again, sorry I'm jinxing your team. Clyde Edwards-Alaire versus Miles Gaskin. Until Edwards-Alaire gets more opportunities and more touches, I'm going to have to call this one a wash. DJ Moore, Devontae Adams, that's easy Adams, even though Moore is really starting to kind of have a coming out party, and Sam Darnold likes him a lot, that's that's good signs, I, I would not be disappointed with him scoring less than Adams this week, that's that's big positive gains moving forward for you. Cortland Sutton versus Tyreek Hill, again, it's kind of a similar thing, Hill all day, but Sutton turns out that he's looking like Teddy B's uh, go-to guy, and he's got a juicy matchup against the Jets. Again, if he scores slightly lower than Tyreek, I'd call that a damn good day. Uh, Jared Cook versus Jonu Smith, uh, the battle of the mediocre tight ends. So call that a wash. Godwin v. Boyd, I'll give that one to Godwin. Darius Leonard, Buda Baker. Ooh, Leonard's always been just a tackling machine, but Buda Baker tends to have a lot of field awareness and easy picks against Trevor Lawrence who's pushing the ball a lot down the field right now he's not really taking any short check downs I think Buda Baker's gonna have a good day we'll see I mean the cards in general are gonna have a good day I'll be shocked if I jinx them that bad but we'll see Panthers Cardinals D um that's a tough one because I think people are really sleeping on 
how well Houston's done so far. Granted, that was with Tyrod Taylor. Davis Mills comes in. It's a short week. Thursday night games are always a fucking trap to me. You never know what you're really going to get unless the teams are like deep into the season and you know what they are. So I'm going to call that one just a wash just because it, it makes sense. I mean, it's just defense. So I don't really think you're going to have too many significant blowout scores that really help you. Uh, Battle of the Kickers, I'm going to call this a wash. I can't even disrespect either of them. Young Hui Ku, Hot Rod, my two favorites. Best players in the NFL by far. So again, that's an even split between guys that I favor on one team versus the other. 194.5 to 191.3 in favor of G-Money. Oh man, this is <laughs> this should be a tight game, but... I think I'm going to take Dakota with the points just because, God, that stack with Adams and Hill just can absolutely be a day ruiner. And I always like having a QB Monday night, or at least last at-bats, whether it's Sunday night or Monday night. I'm going to still give Dakota the points, but I think G-Money can squeak her out still. And the second game that carried a lot of interest to me, even though it's a 0-2 versus a 1-1, is Drew versus Colin. It's going to really, really come down to who has the better running back play. I mean, Dalvin, if he's healthy, I'll take him over Zeke right now just because he's not necessarily splitting touches with Tony Pollard, but anytime Tony's in, it's a design play for him for the most part, or at least he's soaking up the amount of touches from it. Zeke is actually playing great so far this season. I know people are going to discount it just because of how things went against Tampa Bay in the first week, but that's literally one of the best run defenses in the league, and he played an outstanding game pass blocking. I know that doesn't mean much for fantasy, but it keeps him out on the field. It gives him opportunities. All he has to do is roll out in the flat and Dak get pressured and just dump it off to him. So I still have faith in him. We'll see what happens. Uh, as of right now, it's Kenyon Drake v. James White, but Drew just took all of his fun coupons and threw them all at Cordero Patterson's way, much to the chagrin of Corey and somehow even Colin. Hopefully balling out like that will help you, son. If not, David Montgomery's on the way and Kareem Hunt's still chilling there. You've got to do whatever it takes with that running back group just to at least keep pace with Travis Kelsey. So, Godspeed, buddy. I mean, I think it's fairly obvious to me that Colin's probably going to win this one, but... Drew still got a shot. I mean, Rodgers could ball out in San Fran. Uh, A.J. Brown could maybe, you know, figure out how to put some tape on his hand so he can catch a fucking ball instead of drop four straight. Like, bro, you're not even on my team, and I still get frustrated. I can't with that shit. Just if Tannehill is going to keep throwing to you, catch the fucking ball or I'm done. Give it to Julio. Quit being a fucking bitch. I don't fuck with you. You little stupid ass bitch. All right, now where was I? Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those games I think Colin's got it pretty in hand, but crazier things have happened. We'll find out. That's what fantasy's all about, right? And since we're on the topic of wideouts, why don't we highlight one in our player profile? And to me, there's not too many guys uh, that compare to this dude who has just so much greatness on and off the field. Nothing but toe drag swag every Sunday. I think I got my swagger back. Let's do a deep dive on DeAndre Hopkins. So on June 6th, 1992, DeAndre Nuke Hopkins was introduced to this world. 
And I'll be real. I've been trying to figure out why he had the nickname Nuke. I thought it was just because he went nuclear on DBs back in school, but it's actually because he had a preference of pacifier. This little diva baby explains why he's a wideout. Had an extreme preference for Nuke brand pacifiers. Stuck with him. Grandma gave it to him, and it's rocked with him ever since. But long before he ever had dreams of an NFL career the size that he's had so far, he had nothing but trials and tribulations to go through throughout his life. So Hopkins' father, uh, Harris Stephen Hopkins, died in a car accident uh, when he was about five months old, and that left his mother to raise him and his three other siblings. And Sabrina, his mother, uh, she was an extremely hard worker, always held down two jobs throughout his entire childhood. Uh, that's extremely respectable and commendable. I, I don't know a whole lot of people this day and age that would be willing to do that, uh, even with their spouse involved. And around the time of 2002, uh, Sabrina, his mother, had a relationship with another man uh, who apparently was having an affair on the side. And after confronting him about it, the person who he was having an affair with had made a concoction of lye and bleach and knocked on her door and she opened it and she just threw it all over and it was I mean it's it's like a chemical bomb. It it just started peeling off her skin, off of her neck and face and her back. It got in her eyes. Uh her boyfriend at the time had found out about it, picked her up and put her in his car and they drove off to a nearby gas station and dumped her. And and she laid there for a while until Somebody at the gas station had called 911 and saw her, and she was immediately rushed to a hospital, and they had to take a chopper to Augusta, where she was in the ICU, uh, placed into a coma for almost a month. I don't know if any of you guys know any of this stuff, but she went through multiple skin grafts, had suffered burns over like a fifth of her body. She ended up going blind from it. Absolutely nuts to have something happen to someone who does all of this work and and puts her kids first and is a strong, independent woman and, and to see her go through so much pain, it honestly makes you almost tear up inside. Her attacker, uh, Savannah Grant, who was, I think, 24, 25 at the time, was actually charged with assault and battery with intent to kill and received a 20-year prison sentence. And she was incarcerated in 2002. So, I mean, if I'm DeAndre Hopkins, I'm finding the nearest hitman and paying him 50 G's <laughs> as soon as she gets out in 2022. Bitch is gone. She got to get got. I mean, at least take her eyesight or some shit. Damn, that's fucked up. But Hopkins' mother, I mean, she's a tough bird. She uh, She made it through all of that. She bounced back to where she could still at least be a functioning member of society, still working, still taking care of her kids, even though she went through all of that pain and suffering and can't see anymore. Um, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but there's always a point in time during the game whenever DeAndre Hopkins scored a touchdown, at least back in the Houston days, whenever he scored a touchdown, he would always run to the sideline and hand the ball off, and he was always handing it off to his mom. She sits in the front row in the stands. Again, she's blind, but 
She doesn't miss a single game. And anytime he scores a touchdown, she's the person he runs to, especially if she's on that particular side of the end zone. And if that doesn't warm your heart, I don't know what would. Why are you crying? I mean, she's always there for him and he's always there for her. Even during his time at Clemson, always there every single game. Speaking of which, during his time at Clemson, he took a lot of classes and gained insight towards creating a program that gives away a lot of school supplies and book bags and things for children to learn and grow in the Clemson, South Carolina area. Uh, That's originally where he's from as well. So homegrown talent straight through high school and then gets into Clemson University. Uh, Learned a lot on how to give back, uh, created the smooth program, which is speaking mentally, outwardly, opening opportunities towards healing. It uh, deals with a lot of domestic violence cases like what his mom had went through, and its mission is to empower and educate and equip survivors of those domestic violence situations through acknowledging, preparing, and affirming their whole selves. It's, uh, It's pretty remarkable the work that he and this program have done over such a short time, nonetheless. And I know all this stuff is like super heavy and a lot to kind of sit there and listen to, but it's just one of those things where I just find it so amazing how no matter what situation some of these players go through, they learn from it, adapt, uh, overcome, and provide enough to give back to people. That's just something that always blows me away. D-Hop's just one of those dudes that he's a real one on the field. Don't get me wrong. If you haven't seen the D'Angelo Hall clip from Hard Knocks, I suggest you Google it. Shit's amazing. He backs his stuff up. He's a great player. But at the same time, he's also somebody who puts others ahead of himself and is willing to do the right things in life and set a great example for his community, for his, his friends, his family, and for all of us fans. And for that boy's got my vote <laughs> please don't tell me i just jinxed him and he's gonna have a shit week because it's the jags like he's still gonna get some catches in the tutty let's be real but that's my dude and i'll rock with him just as much as i rock with clyde or josh jacobs or kelsey any of those guys so on that note that pretty much wraps this one up fellas uh, appreciate everybody listening if you have any other players you'd like to hear a deep dive on let me know as well as any other segments Got a couple in the works that I'd like to fine-tune and bring out maybe a few weeks later on in the season. So good luck Sunday. Uh, Everybody watching at the Home for Lost Boys, enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy the stink. Enjoy the uh, non-AC. And enjoy Evan's dog, Roscoe, slobbering all over you. Until then, peace. God, I'm going to be Owen fucking three. (laughs) 